Welcome to the Audiobook Speakeasy. I'm Rich Miller, and I'm your host here at the Speakeasy. This is where you'll meet narrators, coaches, engineers, and other audiobook professionals, as well as some listeners who'll be sharing what they look for in a good audiobook. If you're interested in audiobook production, you've come to the right place. So come on in, grab a drink, pull up a chair, and join us for a friendly chat about audiobooks. I'm switching things up a little tonight. My guest certainly has his finger on the pulse of the audiobook world. He's produced audiobook demos and also has experience recording audiobooks and doing audiobook post-production, so we'll definitely be talking about audiobooks. But I've seen quite a few posts lately from audiobook narrators who are interested in maybe dipping their toes into other voiceover genres. And with decades in the business, specializing in demo production, that's what I really want to focus on tonight. Roy Yokelson, a.k.a. Uncle Roy, thanks for joining me in the speakeasy tonight. Here I am. <laughs> yeah, there you are. <laughs> Thank you for having me. You're I very welcome. I'm I'm yeah. glad that glad that this could work out. I know the timing isn't perfect, but uh, but uh, you know I you I understand. Out, you left out audiobook director. Oh, director, director as well. That's director, good. Producer. Yeah, director producer. Yeah. That's good. I'm I'm glad that we will get to that and uh, that that we can hear about uh, the audiobook specifics. But like I said, I definitely want to focus on uh, on the other stuff that you do in the voiceover world. But before we get to that, this is a speakeasy. So, Uncle Roy, what are you drinking tonight? Uh-oh, well, I hear I'm something. Opening, I'm opening up. This is like the scene where Dustin Hoffman says to his son, oh, you got to make a little, because I'm from Brooklyn, right? That That's the next question, too. But, you know, you have to make an egg cream. And it's just a little bit of chocolate syrup and a little bit of milk, and then you put in the seltzer. But you have to clink the glass this way. You have to make this sound. If you don't make the sound, it's not a real egg cream. That's is that what you're authentic. telling me? No. And you need Fox's U-Bet Fox's is the syrup, not Hershey's. I am not familiar with that chocolate syrup. Of course, chocolate syrup is not something that I partake of, uh, well, pretty much at all. But... Um, I'm I'm not familiar with that. I certainly am familiar with the term egg cream, but I have never had one. Um, There's no eggs in an egg cream. It's just milk and chocolate syrup and seltzer. So and clinking. Why, so and clinking. What's what's the deal with the name then? Hmm. Don't make me go on Google. Okay. <laughs> I, I can Google it well, myself it's, later. It's but. creamy. I don't know. You so know. Just, and just because of the texture. As a kid, I was allergic to chocolate, so I had vanilla egg creams, which is okay too. Mm-hmm. I got chocolate today. All right, so I guess the allergy went away. Huh? I outgrew the allergy, and then I went crazy with chocolate. <laughs> I can totally understand that. I haven't had this for years. Now I can go wild. <laughs> this is a good egg cream. Well, that's good. I'm glad it came out well. I am not partaking in an egg cream. Like I said, I've never had one. I, I will have to try one at some point. Um, what are you drinking, Mr. T- Speaky? Tonight, I am having kind of a classic, a salty dog which is essentially a greyhound, and I prefer my greyhound with gin. Uh, greyhounds can be made either with vodka or gin, and I'm kind of a gin fan, so uh, so I prefer greyhounds with gin. Salty Dog is basically just a greyhound, but you salt the rim kind of like you would for a margarita. So uh, I'm sipping it out of a straw, but every once in a while you hit the rim, you get a little get a little shot of salt, and, uh, and nice. that does it. Yep. So, uh, so I, I'm glad the egg cream came out well, and, uh, I'm going to have a little bit of uh, salty dog here. So uncle Roy, thanks for joining me in the speakeasy tonight. Cheers. So Roy, you, uh, you grew up in Brooklyn. Where are you now? I'm in Bloomfield, New Jersey, which is probably where you're going to be on October 3rd and 4th. You just didn't know it yet. And what is happening on October 3rd and 4th? 
It's my 15th annual VOBBQ. Oh, featuring non- international, featuring nonstop live music. And it's a two-day event, and I have a block of discount rooms uh, at the local La Quinta. And Mark Scott, the Canadian marketing guy, is mm-hmm. driving his smoker seven hours. Oh, no kidding. From Canada, from Canada to do brisket. So we're, we're branding it as hashtag brisket 2020. That's fantastic. I have heard of this event. I have not done it. I've also heard of the... Uh, I don't remember what they call it. Uh, Audiophile does. I think it's Audiophile that does the the main crab fest feed thing, whatever they call it. Um, oh yeah. So yeah, I've, yeah. I've I've heard a couple of a couple of uh, events like that out there, but I have not been to any of them yet. So early October, I'll keep that in mind. That's that's your invitation. All right. Yeah, I do want to. Um, I'll, I'll bring Mark Scott up a little bit later as well when we uh, get more mm-hmm. into marketing. But uh, so mm-hmm. you're in Bloomfield now. So uh, after growing up in Brooklyn, where'd you go from there? Um, all through my, uh, childhood and, and schooling and everything, I always had a passion for sound, but so Brooklyn and then Brooklyn tech and then out to Comac. Um, what is Comac? And Comac is uh, Suffolk County. It's be kind of between Huntington and Smithtown. It's about two thirds of the way out on Long Island. But what's North, there? What did, what did you North do, Shore. do there? I lived there. Oh, <laughs> my, I see. I see. My I, parents I, moved from Brooklyn when I was fourteen. I got it. I, I thought that you meant you had gone to school or something out there. Well, that well, yeah. Then, but then, so after high school, I did two years of trade school because I didn't know what I there was. There was no career guidance. There was no institute of audio research. There was no full sale mm-hmm. on all these uh, schools for these things. This I was just driven by my passion, and nobody gave me career guidance to say, well, you could be a recording engineer. You could be a director, producer. Um, so I went to RCA Institutes in New York City, figuring, okay, electronics, that's something has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. And I got my certification. I worked for a year troubleshooting air traffic control radar units. Oh, my goodness. Exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> and my girlfriend at the time said, well, you got your uh, certification. Why don't you go back to college and get your engineering degree? So I went to college, I went to Nassau Community College and discovered the radio station WHPC, uh, which is still in existence down there. And I became their production manager. I just was making jingles and commercials and all kinds of stuff. That's great. So you you finally got to get the uh, sound production in then. Right. And this is all self-taught to this point. And then I'm taking my little demo around that I made at the radio station, bringing it around to all the New York City recording studios because... I wanted to work in a recording studio, mm-hmm. um, and I landed at National Recording Studio, which was the top commercial recording studio. I, I landed in the right place, but I was hired as a messenger, so you know I had to pay my dues. It, well, it didn't take long. It was the best uh, messenger they had, the best head of shipping, the best assistant, and I just wanted to sit in that chair and and engineer and direct and, and produce music and all kinds of stuff. So That's cool. Sometimes you got to take those baby steps. Yeah. Well, it was, a, it was, a, it was, a, it was only a few baby steps until the big step. That's you know? good. That's good. So that was good. And then when you go on my IMDB page, you'll see a lot of film score recording, uh, happened to be in the right place at the right time. And then very good at what I did. 
I did all the Woody Allen film score recording from 1982 to 2005. Wow, no kidding. I didn't realize that. I had never yeah. thought to look on IMDb for you, so um, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's a whole other world. Yeah, and, no kidding. You know, I, I love music recording, and I love period music, 1920s and 30s. Is, uh, I like to record that kind of music. So I can't remember when it came out. Did you do... Um... Oh, what was that? What was the radio uh, days? No, not radio days. The one, uh, Zellig? Uh, no, well, I do remember Zellig. I'm thinking of the one where, uh, the guy, the guy, my... the guy comes off the screen. Um, yeah. uh, oh, uh, purple, purple, purple Rose of Cairo. Cairo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I did that. Wow. That was, I, I, I loved that movie. I was fascinated by the, that by the was my first, well, my first feature film uncredited, sadly, but it sort of makes me a, an Academy Award winning recording engineer but you can't prove it i guess mm -hmm. uh I, I recorded the the score for kramer versus kramer oh no kidding so is that what you were re referencing at the beginning there with uh, dustin hoffman yeah all right I, yeah. I i was thinking dustin hoffman where was he talking to a kid and that was the only one i could think of right and as an aside i was also there at, at uh, the location where they shot tootsie so uh, two, so there's two uh, six degrees of separation with Dustin Hoffman and, That's and great. myself. That's you know? great. Um, I'm, I, I, I love hearing that. That's like, you, so, you know, you wanted to do audio production and uh, kind of got sidetracked this way and air traffic controller and going back to school and being a messenger. And, and then look what happened. You got where you wanted to be. Yeah, so, uh, you know, when they came in for Kramer versus Kramer, I said, oh, oh, am I going to get a screen credit? And they said, oh, the credits are already cut. Mm. The Vivaldi music that's in there was an afterthought. Mm. All they had was the, the classical guitars in there. So so anyway, it's on my IMDb. Yeah, uh, my first cool. credited film is Zelig. So if you know Zelig. I do. That, I, I, that was a fun was, one, too. The assignment was make it sound like 1928. So most of what you're listening to is me in an orchestra. That's great. That's great. And Dick Hyman's fabulous writing and arranging. So, yeah, and I that was another one of um, Woody Allen's sort of uh, concept movies that I that I really liked. Uh, and Purple Rose of Cairo just really kind of um, kind of took me away, especially uh, when you get all the way to the end. So uh, very cool. And Purple Rose of Cairo, um, Woody Allen is sort of paying homage to Buster Keaton, who in Sherlock Jr. jumps into the what seems to be the the screen and goes into the movie. Mm. I don't remember that specifically, but anyway, well. great, great concept. <laughs> so, uh, so that was how you got into, uh, music production. So when did voiceover come in? So before I became a full blown, uh, music engineer on your way up, you know, you produce radio spots and stuff. So, the voice is just another instrument. Mm -hmm. You know, we did jingles for the top, you know, Michelob and Budweiser and Airlines and Exxon and all kinds of only the high end stuff besides my little pony transformers and GI Joe. Mm, okay. <laughs> so then the voiceover would, would come in and speak in the donut of the jingle, which is where the singers don't sing. And mm -hmm. that's the room for the voiceover. So I really got to do a lot of radio production, uh, even before the, the music. And we only had poor us. All we had was Neumann 47s and 48s tube, uh, microphones. 
uh, that you would kill for today. Yeah. We were so spoiled. Uh, (laughs) so, and, and my mentor taught me way early in a very, uh, genuine way, you know, go out, go out there and adjust the trumpet player's mic. And he's going to know you care about, you know, you ask him, is everything okay? So it's the same thing with voiceover people. They're, you know, you, you want to, when a performer is as comfortable as he can be, they're going to give the best performance. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the first rule was just, you know, go, go make friends and be nice to them and, and not in a phony way. No, everybody, and, knows, everybody knows I genuinely love them. Yeah. It, well, it, yeah, it, it doesn't have to be a phony way. I mean, you can, you can, um, you can be nice to somebody without even knowing them. You know, you can just be nice. And when they see that somebody's genuinely being nice, they're not trying to suck up to them. They're just being a nice person. They'll respond in kind, generally speaking. I was, I was a- trying to be nice to Christopher Plummer, but he, he had a different idea. <laughs> Uh-oh. The What's... director likes to tell the story like that I almost killed Christopher Plummer. But that's a... <laughs> what was that on? Uh, MGM Animation did a Babes in Toyland, and he was Barnaby. And uh, so we came into a, you know, a small booth. This will give you the time frame on it. And he said, well, even OJ deserves a larger cell than this <laughs> during the OJ drought. Yeah. And so I got the next bigger studio. He said, this is the same thing. He was looking for a shoot stage. So I got the big music room. I put him in there and he's reading, reading, reading. And then he turns to the back of the room and, and, and yells. And I said, okay, so now that I know you're going to yell, I'm ready for you. You can yell into the microphone. And he said, uh, because it sounds off mic. He says, oh, was the mic off? I said, no, you yelled to the back of the room. Well, my dear boy, when we did live radio, you could yell any way you like. <laughs> okay, but this isn't live radio. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's all. Yeah. And the second day, he was, he was a pussycat. He was fine. That's funny. Um, yeah, well, that's, um, that's good, you know, having a mentor who's telling you, just be nice to people. They'll respond. I, I think that's good advice in life. Yep. So, um, so that was how you started doing voiceover recording before, um, before you actually did music production. When did you get into demo production? Back in the day, the old school way of doing a demo was you would take finished pieces. You know, all my voiceover friends would come to me and say, Hey, can you make my demo? And they'd bring me all the spots they had done Mm -hmm. and we'd pick the best parts, cut it together. And that was, that really that was really demonstrated what could they do. Mm-hmm. And the old school way of doing a demo is, yeah, you know, a generic, here's some commercial, here's me doing some voices, here's a little audio book cut, here's uh, my uh, IVR telephony, uh, here's a little corporate narration, all on one demo. Mm-hmm. And then like three minutes of having to listen through that, and, and there was no voice sample player, so you'd have to kind of fast forward through it and see yeah. if you found what you wanted. And it, it wasn't so today it, it, when you market, it's uh, you really target market, you know, so every genre has a different demo. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you were hiring somebody like Peter Thomas, who was the first voice I ever recorded, you would know him as the narrator on forensic files. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could do anything. Yeah. I know that things have 
certainly changed. That's one of many things. I definitely want to get into uh, the marketing differences in the other genres right. as well. But I know that uh, demo production has changed drastically. I, I had a friend here in Tucson um, have somebody who markets themselves as somebody who can produce demos for you. Mm-hmm. But what they're doing is they're teaching voiceover skills and um, and doing demo production the way that it was done when they started in the business. And I listened to his demo and I said, it's a two and a half minute commercial demo and your first spot is 30 seconds. You've got like five 30 second spots. Nobody in the business today will listen to this. If they even get to spot two, yep. if it doesn't sound drastically different, they're going to stop. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you really, you really so have, yeah, especially with voice stand players, you can go next, 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 mm-hmm. you know, and listen to the next cut so that, okay, where's that next flavor? Where's that sexy? Oh, that's not it. That's compassionate. That's, that's high. Uh, that's a hard sell. Oh, here it is, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, yeah, it's a, it's a different, uh, definitely different style of uh, demos these days. Yeah, so so you've been doing various different demos. Um, you've been producing voiceover demos in various different styles and in various different ways for what, like thirty years now. Thirty, yeah. Let's say, let's call it thirty. I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> for, thirty uh, plus years. For thirty years. I mean, yeah, I'm in the business. Yeah. Forty plus. Years. But yeah, it's okay. you see, you see a you see a lot of changes in that amount of time. I know, um, even twenty thank years God, ago. Thank God, I made a successful transition from analog to digital. I'm an old analog guy, you know. I oh still yeah. Have my quarter, I still have my quarter inch tape deck here, but uh, I, I've put I've hung up my razor blade for a mouse. Yeah. You know? No, there there are a lot of people listening. I'm sure who remember those days. I remember them as well. I. Uh, Back when I was in college, uh, I was uh, I was a music major for a short period of time, and one of the things that we had to do this was actually before the music major, but one of the things that we had to do was uh, come up with a creative piece, and I wanted to do something musical, and so um, it wasn't just recording me on an instrument; it was uh, you know various different sounds. And I was using a reel-to-reel recorder and to make edits. Yeah. It was the razor blade, razor blade and tape. And uh, so yeah. I, I remember those days as well. But before before there was razor blade, what, I mean, my father gave me a tape recorder when I was five. That's how, you know, that's how it got started. Mm-hmm. And I was I was to get on the block with the puppet stage in my basement, and we pre-recorded the dialogue. We didn't know that's how you do it. We just did it. Yeah. So when the tape broke, I mean, I had to have <laughs> just had regular Scotch tape yep. and a pair of scissors, and they had to be. Uh, they luckily the scissors weren't magnetized, or would make a big pop on the tape and all. Yeah. That. Yeah. No, so. thing, things were much different back then. Um, so you started doing demo production, and you're still doing demo production, and that's pretty much what you're focusing on now, isn't it? Killer demos, killer That's demos, killer demo adventure. That's what Mark Scott calls it because people come here from all over the country and, you know, we go to Chinatown and we go to the local, uh, ruts hut and, you know, various diners and things. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I, uh, the two major things that I do are, uh, demos and I also te- I help people set up their home studio. So audiobook. Uh, narrators need that. And I teach, I set up and teach Adobe Audition. Uh, so how long have you been using Audition? 
since it was cool at it 96. Uh, that's what I was wondering if it was before the name change. I started using Adobe Audition. I think it was either, uh, didn't they have a 1.5 at one point? Yeah. Yeah. I think, was, I, 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 think, think I have this. I think I have the CD for 1.0. I, yeah, I think I started at 1.5, and then and then I tried upgrading once, and it was, I think it was when they went to 3, maybe. It was such well, a different three, interface. Well, 3 is still, I still use 3 from for sometimes, and I, I have lots of friends who, they just don't want to pay, so I right. can, you know, still get 3 for free. It's legit, but uh, uh, the Creative Cloud version... Uh, has so much more going for it mm. than the spectral view is always on. And, you know, you can pull in all of your other uh, plugins from Isotope and Waves and whatever. Yeah, I understand yeah. that the uh, spectral view in Adobe Audition is one of the main selling points, especially for uh, for voiceover. Wait till I show you after this po <laughs> after this podcast, you know. Yeah, so um, so that's that's good. Uh, something that you, that you uh, are familiar with that a lot of listeners use Adobe Audition uh, might need some help in in that area. So of the demos that you produce, I know that you do, like you said, everything is so segmented now, and you've got commercial narration, audiobook, promo, trailer. You got all gaming, get uh, animation. Yeah, absolutely, that's huge. Gaming. Um, yeah. What do you think of the of the demos that you produce? Uh, what's the breakdown? How much of it is commercial? How much is narration how much is all the other stuff most agents or or the you know the way we've been going coasting along these these last 10 years uh most people prefer to get a commercial and some sort of narration e-learning is a big deal these days mm -hmm. but some people just don't have it for commercial they just can't uh, they can't um they can't connect to the copy mm -hmm. and, and they can't make it conversational and tell the story so uh, commercial isn't for everyone. E-learning is uh, good money. Uh, they're longer sessions, longer format, uh, and maybe more editing, but it's, it's, uh, it's good money, and there's a lot of e-learning work out there. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so would you say that the, the majority, like at least 50% of what you do is commercial demos? Commercial and then e-learning might be next. Everybody, everybody, all newbies think, Oh, I want an animation demo. Everybody wants, everybody thinks they're going to be the next, you know, animation yeah. hit. Right. And realistically, well, my, my protege, Lila Burzins is a great success story of somebody who had passionate about this since she was a young, young kid. And she pursued her dream and I helped her get the auditions out of Disney and Nickelodeon. And now she's on Disney and Nickelodeon series. Wow, that's great. So she's, yeah, I'm very proud of her. She did it. But realistically, yes, there's some animation done in New York and some done in Florida and wherever. But uh, unless, you're, unless you're young and serious and have some sort of backup funds, because it's, yes, it's expensive to live in California. But if this is really what you want, if you want to pursue your dream, um, and if you have somebody who can help you, financial parents or whoever, or a significant other, um, that's the way to do animation. And you have to be as good as, if not better than what's out there. Yeah. There's huge, huge talent already in the business. Gaming, you can do from anywhere pretty much because they don't need you in the studio to do gaming. Mm -hmm. uh, but you're up against Dave Fennoy and, and you know, all these other great um, gaming uh, actors. Yeah. Incredibly, um, 
in, incredibly competitive, I know, uh, as are, you know, most areas of uh, voiceover. So if somebody wants an animation demo specifically, I usually say, all right, let's make a character demo that'll work for animation and gaming, you know. So you can do your big voice. You know, you can yeah. do those, <laughs> those kind of day-for-noy things if, if you have it in you. Yeah. Well, so that's uh, that's good uh, good segue into if somebody were going to ask you, hey, I'm Mr. Joe Audiobook Narrator. I got onto ACX and I've done five or ten audiobooks. This voiceover thing, this talking into a mic, I like this. I, I think I could really do well in this. Um, I, I guess I should get a demo. So uh, what should I do? coaching you have to coach in the specific genre i can i can co i can produce any genre demo but i don't coach e-learning i i send that to i send those students to julie williams and then she writes she coaches them she writes and directs this the session and sends it to me and then i produce it okay so i produce all of julie williams uh, demos and other other people tom pinto sends me uh people that are ready they're demo ready, uh, people. So yes, everybody wants a demo, but you have to be ready. You have to, you, as Cliff Zellman says, your demo is a promise that you can produce, that you can reproduce what's on your demo on demand. And I have heard horror stories of people who have incredibly well-produced demos and uh, it's because it was directed within an inch of its life and it was cut together mm -hmm. in 14 different ways and they just really can't do it when they're actually I, uh, doing a job. I can produce anybody's demo tomorrow, but th th that doesn't mean they can do it and it's false advertising. Right, right. And similarly, your home studio better sound fairly close to what I can do here because mm -hmm. that's what they're expecting. I mean, they're going to send you a script Maybe they're maybe they're on Source Connect, or maybe they're just on a phone patch, or maybe you're on your own self-directing. Um, you, but that audio quality—that you know—the first thing is they're going to listen to the read. Obviously, that's the main thing. Mm -hmm. You know, who who cares if your audio is shiny if you if your read is terrible? Right. As long as your your read is solid and your audio quality is pristine when I get through you, through with you, uh, then 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 you'll book. Cool. So, so, so the, the short and the quick answer is you have to coach to uh, you have to find a coach whose strength is in that genre. OK, so I'm Joe audiobook narrator and now I've done 20 books. And during the last yep. 10 books, I was also doing coaching for commercial copy. Uh, I went to, uh, you know, any of the various different uh coaches right. out there, maybe Mark Cashman for, for commercial copy. Maybe I went to uh, Dave Fenoy and I got some animation coaching and I thought, so I really want to do a commercial demo now. That's, that's the next thing. Right. So what should I look for in somebody who can produce my demo? Uh, go on their website and listen to the commercial demos they've already produced and make sure that those things Really, I don't. I don't mean so much the production because the product. You know, the production. Well, that's two things. You know, number one, who's your coach and who's your de commercial demo producer, and do they sound like real spots? The reason my demos sound the the way they do is what was my job before this? I I produced radio and TV and uh, and radio promo for years. 
So I know what it's supposed to sound like. Mm -hmm. And I sat through so many sessions. I learned really from the, from the best and the worst of how to direct. Um, so yeah, you find your coach, the coach, you and the coach will know when you're ready. And then you can't use these practice scripts on demos. I, the hair stands up on the back of my neck (laughs) when I hear it's Sesame street in the backyard, you know, or uh, 7-Eleven or any of these practice scripts that are great for practice. Mm -hmm. There were some demo mills whose name we will withhold, um, who they just, you know, they have a drawer full of scripts and they just pick out here, here, here's some commercial copy here. Could be that the copy is dated, you know, um, when could, I do could a commercial. Could be that it's on 20 other demos that are already out there. Well, that's what I mean. I hear the, yeah. I hear them on people's demos on their mm-hmm. SoundCloud that they recorded at home or, you know, they didn't have direction and there's, it's a practice script. When I do a commercial demo, first I in- interview the person and they tell me these stories about their life, and then I write those into scripts. You know, there's tell me about your what's up with your dog. Oh, you know, he's got a sensitive stomach and he's throwing up all the time. All right, so let's find a, a dog food that has specifically for sensitive stomach, and and we'll do that. And you can tell me about your dog. And this way, you're just telling me <laughs> about your life. Um, That's great. You know, if I can direct them to to sound conversation on commercial. Uh, you know, you just have to go to my killer demo page on my website, listen, or, or, or whoever, whoever the producer is, mm-hmm. listen to the demos, uh, and, and see what the quality is. Sometimes the voice buried in, in the production and that's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the stock music is just so old and hokey and dated. You know, some of these people, the, some of the companies they'll buy, 10 CDs, uh, music library. Mm-hmm. I have access to the entire Warner chapel music library. So I've never used the same piece of music twice in all my years. So. Wow. Wow. That's yep. saying something. Um, that's right. so yeah, that was something that I learned when I, I did a commercial demo the last time I have not focused on commercial, so I haven't updated it as I think I should normally, if I was actually pursuing that hard, but, um, but I, I did learn that uh, custom written scripts are really way more important than I would have thought 10, 20 years ago. And maybe back then they weren't as important. But um, but I know that that's definitely a big deal now is that you need to work with somebody who will actually write something, like you say, that, um, you know, uh, resonates with them more than something that's right. written. Something that you, you can connect to the copy because it's something you're familiar with. If you can do this, I mean, uh, I had one guy come in and he swore up and down and he'd been coaching. He takes direction. Great. And I did his uptake. I interviewed him and, you know, he liked uh, hot, hot air balloon, uh, sailing and everything. And he just couldn't connect to that copy, mm-hmm. you know, and I stopped the session and said, so you can't do this. And. So after coaching, more coaching, more coaching, more coaching, you know, we redid the session Mm -hmm. and he he still needed more work, but this is where he was at. He thought he was ready. He was going to market himself and he's still learning. Well, aren't we all? I, um, I still remember when I first got into this business and it did not go well. Um, I certainly had that newbie mentality of, holy crap, I can do this. Yeah, no problem. And I, I hear that sometimes from people and I go, 
Oh, yeah, you've got a lot to learn, and now I approach things very differently. I'm actually branching out a little myself, and so I have uh, found a coach, and I'm going to work uh, slowly and methodically and as much as possible to get things right. And like you said, she's she's a very well-respected coach in, in the field, and I know that um, she is not going to be like a demo mill and say, let's go do right. this. You know, it's going to be, uh, you might want to wait. And it, so, so there's trust on both sides. And, and what I trust is that she's not going to be, and I do trust this, she's not going to be saying, no, you need some more coaching sessions just so that she can make some more money before I actually do the demo. So you need, you definitely need to find a coach who you trust and, uh, and they will tell you, tell you the good things as well as the bad things, uh, so that you know what you need to work on and, uh, and that will, and that you can trust will tell you accurately when you actually are ready to get a demo done. You have to be honest with yourself. Yeah, I think that's probably uh, the hardest as, part. As you just were, and I, I, I don't pull any punches. Uh, you know, I if I mean, my greatest compliment is, well, at least it didn't suck, you know. So, <laughs> uh, but I did a, another uh, co-directing session with a very high-end uh, woman uh, uh, coach director, and the guy. I thought the guy did did well he he did, wasn't taking direction well even th- with a line read but we got through it we got through it i finished the demo i sent it over you know she was okay with it he said well i was nervous it was you and it was her and uncle roy and i was nervous i don't hear anything nervous in there you know you just weren't he just he really thinks he's better s- similar to the story you just said he thinks he's better than he is and and the person I uh, produced for, she said, I think this represents where he's at in his voiceover career. And it's not that it was bad in any way. I put that demo up. I was ready to put it up and say, hey, look what we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, no, I want to redo this spot and this spot. And I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, being honest with yourself is sometimes difficult. And sometimes, um, you know, fair enough, it's difficult because you don't have enough knowledge. And it's difficult to listen to something that you've done and to be objective about it. Um, so anyway, so so that's all good information. Um, so somebody says, okay, I've um, gotten good coaching. I trust my coach. They think I'm ready. I uh, had quite a few sessions, and I, I trust them that they know that I'm ready, and they're not just telling me that um, so that so that we'll be done. Uh, I've looked into different demo producers, and I've heard really good things about you, Roy. So uh, mm-hmm. so I'm going to come to yeah. you, and let's, yeah. let's do a demo. And I understand that you're going to mm-hmm. write uh, custom-made spots for me. So what's That's next? Right. Uh, well, like I said, I, I do the interview. I take notes. I take a lot of notes and then I write too many spots because who knows, we really want to show range. So, mm-hmm. so we record all different, all different kind of spots and whether you come here, which is my preference because I also have 25 mics and every, so with every script, I can change microphones and get some kind of sonic change. So mm-hmm. everything doesn't excuse me, everything doesn't sound the same. Right. Or if, you know, if it's just you and all, and you've got your one mic, we can do a zoom session. You record at your place locally. I direct over zoom. You send me the files. I do the editing. 
I pick the music, I do the sound design, I put a little cameo of myself in your demo if if you're worthy of it. <laughs> and if I like you that much, I'll put my no, if it's a spot of calls for something, I'll you know, hi honey, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it's gonna be. Yeah. Uh, come on, kids. I'll go listen to Mark Scott's. I'm, I think I'm on his last spot, his Tesla spot. All right. So, yeah. So you'll put that together. How, how long is a, uh, a demo session usually take? I don't rush it. I like a lot of takes. I'm not easy to satisfy. Although I asked the last person, I said, so was this harder than you thought? She said, no, about average, but I, what I expected. But so if you're good at it, it's going to go quickly. If, if I'm like even the session I did today to get somebody's energy to, to maintain the energy through multiple takes and then to edit together, to make it, to make it work. So, you know, three hours, um, or, or, you know, if you're coming here, you know, we'll record for two or three hours. We'll go to lunch. We'll come back. We'll record some more. We'll record the next day. Oh, you know, so, it could, like so it could actually be quite a while then. Yeah. I mean, if you're coming for the adventure, there's no rush. Yeah. Um, there are some places, I don't mean just demo mills, the demo mill, they want you in and out of there in an hour. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> that's it. And you know, at that, that's, that would get me nervous. Oh yeah. Knowing yeah, yeah. that there's a time limit, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, I don't like the, there's no pressure. Just, I mean, yes, in the real world, yes, the producer, director, whatever, they, there's, there's going to be the pressure to get it done within the hour or something. That's one spot. We're doing six, seven, eight spots mm-hmm. to create the demo. Uh, you know, I like to do a couple of small ones, short ones in the front so that you get to that second flavor. You get to Draw that third in. flavor, Yeah. you know, and then if they ever listen to the end, that's great. If it's, if demo has to have entertainment value, uh, and, and be funny and, 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 uh, and really engage, engage you. So you want to listen to the end. You want to hear the end of the story, you know, mm-hmm. even if it's a bunch of six or eight spots cut together. Yeah. So have you had experiences where somebody has come out and, well, we've, you know, we recorded in the morning, went out to lunch, recorded in the afternoon. You know what? why don't we pick this up tomorrow and they spend the night out there and you pick right. it up tomorrow and then all of a sudden things click much better the second day. Yeah. Because they get nervous. You know, I look, I'm just, I'm just me. I, I, I'm nobody. I'm the same, same, whatever you do, whatever your day job is, I suck at it. <laughs> I'm good. At, I'm really good at what I do, but whatever mm. your day job is, I'm, I'm, I'm no good. So we're, we're, we're equal. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes it's, they're nervous in the beginning. And yeah, so if day two is going better, and a lot of times this happens in a real session, you start reading a long script, you get to the end and you say, you know what, let's re-record the first two pages mm-hmm. because you, now your energy is right. You're in the groove. Let's go back. More and relaxed. Then, yeah. 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 So uh, yeah, that, that would happen if we didn't, you know, we try to start with an easy one. What, what was that? Oh man. I said, uh, let's do this short, let's do this short script. And it was taking forever. And I mm. thought, oh my God, thank God I started with this script. because <laughs> It wasn't going, I can't even remember what it was, but it was, oh no, no, it was, uh, <laughs> no, I had some friends who wanted to sing a, 
make their father a Christmas CD of them singing uh, karaoke. Yikes. And I said, look, let's start with Holly Jolly Christmas. How's that? We all know that one. <laughs> and it was God awful. <laughs> and then the white. So I said, all right, let's play it for everybody. The wife came in and the son and his friend They're like, oh, that's terrible. I said, can you do any better? So the son got in here there. He was terrible. The wife was terrible. And then we put sleigh bells on it. I put it, I put all the voices together and you know what? It was charmingly horrible. Yeah. <laughs> the, the person who received it really appreciated it. Of and course, yeah. said to his son, boy, I'd like to meet the person who had the patience to deal with three people <laughs> who absolutely can't sing a note. How funny. I'm very patient with everybody, whether it's tech, whether it's coaching. I, I'm a very patient guy. I have a very patient nurturing uh coaching style that's great well so until demo day and then bam 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 <laughs> <laughs> and then the pressure that then it's like no this is the way it's going to be in a session you know people are going to direct you yeah. when we did andy danish's um character demo it was everett oliver and myself and andy was black and blue at the end oh uh, no no doubt but, i but met the demo, the demo uh, has gotten him a lot of uh, a lot of auditions and and gigs and things so i, I met uh, everett briefly at apac last year actually he was in town he wasn't there for apac but he was there and so uh, i met with that was when i met you and him i mean i'd met you before but uh, i right. met him and uh, talked to paul stefano and um, and everett was I I can't remember the last time I met somebody with that amount of energy. <laughs> yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if somebody was black and blue after having him direct him for a second. Hi, Everett. <laughs> and it was so funny. We were trying to get Andy to say this one phrase, and he, he wasn't getting it by directing him, by directing him. So I gave him the line read. Everett gave him the line read. Andy finally came out with the way we wanted it to be. And it's just, it's a funny outtake, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that, that'll happen. So yep. somebody says, okay, I'm going to go with you, Uncle Roy. You produce the demo. Now they've got this shiny new commercial or narration or e-learning or whatever demo. Right. Um, we were we were talking uh, briefly beforehand uh, about, before we started recording here, about how the industry has changed. Uh, so, so tell me what used to happen maybe 30 years ago once somebody had a demo and what has to happen now for them to get work. Yeah, you would. Well, there weren't there were no pay to plays back then. There was barely any internet, so uh, you would get an agent. Um, you could still you could self market, which is the big deal today. Uh, promote yourself or word of mouth, or people would hear your voice and know who that was and just hire you based on. Oh, I know who that is. That's mm -hmm. Peter Thomas. You know, um, but getting an agent used to be so important. And then the agents would send would they would be very selective and say, oh, hey, this script, that would be good. That'd be good for for that Rich Miller guy, you know. Um, but these days, the agents just send out to everybody and they say, if you feel this is appropriate for you, send it in. If not, just pass on it, mm -hmm. you know. So everybody's sending in everything because everybody's desperate to to make some money. Right. Uh, so th the competition wasn't that wasn't as uh, great and also the booking ratio was so much greater uh i used to i was partners with a voiceover guy and i'd go around with him to auditions which don't happen you know it's it's a 
very small group of uh, of agents and casting people in New York City where you would actually go and be directed by a booth director. Yeah, that uh, was that was the thing back when I started. This was uh, 17, 16, 17, 18 years ago. Um, you know, you get the call, and so you go into your agent's office, and I have to guess that the, now that that's really unusual. It's it's rare. It's rare. Um, and so, if you know, if you went on 20 auditions, you would book one. And it would be a big one, you know, or mm-hmm. ten, between 10 and 20 auditions, you would book. And the pool was much smaller. Mm-hmm. And also the voiceovers used to have a different set of skills. You could time and say, oh, you know, you're over by a half second. They would look at the copy and say, oh, I know I know where to fix it. Or you'd say, yeah, can you do it faster, but make it sound slower? And they knew how to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are skills that most voiceovers today they don't know from stopwatch and timing i mean we take the breaths out unfortunately the advertisers write too much copy usually Mm -hmm. and they don't know word count or anything or cutting scripts um and we take all the breaths out which is that's the norm these days but we don't jam it all together it has to have some natural pace to it right but you don't you don't hear breaths, any breaths in any commercial work anymore. No, I, I have certainly noticed that. Uh, it just doesn't happen. And we're used to it. That's that's the way it goes now. That's yeah. what it's supposed to be. So, so it seems to me that uh, marketing is the big thing that – that self-marketing is the big thing that has changed in the past you know, 10, 20 years. When uh, aspiring voiceover artists, a.k.a. newbies, uh, when they're starting out – well, they come to me for a two-hour evaluation. And I, and I say, you know, you better be able to do voiceover, that part, in your sleep. Because the hard part, the hard work of voiceover is finding the work. Mm-hmm. And we all want steady, recurring, cl- loyal clients who pay it a, on a reasonable <laughs> time, time frame. Um and it used to, you know, when I was just an engineer producer, I would, you know, agency would call up and just book and just book. I didn't have to market myself. I didn't have to, I didn't need an agent. I didn't need anything. My stuff was word of mouth and steady, loyal clients. So you got to get those steady, loyal clients, mm-hmm. you know, whether, whether you go on LinkedIn and start searching, Mark Scott will tell you, you have to send out 25 emails a day and then follow up on those emails without being a pest um, yeah, yeah, so marketing, unfortunately, that's the work. And a lot of people don't like cold, cold calling or they're not people person. You know, I'm all about people. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm having the barbecue, barbecue and all that stuff. Um, because it used to be a group of people showed up at a studio, the director, the producer, the music guy, his girlfriend, the voice. So everybody would show up and it was a kind of a collaborative mm-hmm. effort. Yeah. And these days that doesn't happen. But yeah, so the big, you know, get, if you can do voiceover, if you can really do it, good. Let's market that. Let's find your clients. Yeah. In, in as many genres as you can do uh, efficiently. And you've mentioned Mark a few times, and I, I mentioned him as well. And I, I would uh, give an official shout out at this point that anybody who um, needs to understand better how important 
the ability to market and the necessity of marketing is in most of the voiceover genres now. I mean, it's important in audiobooks as well, but I, mm-hmm. I really look at audiobooks and, you know, give me your your take on this as well, but I really see audiobooks having done some commercial work and some narration work. Um, I really see audiobooks as really different than virtually all other um, voiceover genres. The the closest one I would say is e-learning in terms of the amount of time it takes and, um, you know, how lengthy jobs can be. But it really seems to me that audiobooks are very different from just about every other genre of voiceover. What's your take on that? It's a different animal. The, the, you don't have an agent who gets you audiobook work. Mm-hmm. You have to go to APAC or any of these mixers, uh, Audiobook Publishers Association, APAC, uh, a- a- APA. Right. C is the conference. Um, and meet the publishers and schmooze them and have let get them to listen to your stuff. And you, yeah, you have to have random number. You have to have 20 books under your belt before you start approaching uh, publishers who will take you seriously and say, oh yeah, you know, we are looking for more, for new, uh, for new narrators. Mm-hmm. I get emails all the time because people think I do casting because I'm in SAG-AFTRA as an audiobook uh, producer. So narrators are, I don't, I don't, I only produce audiobooks um, primarily for my 10th grade English teacher is my author narrator, John Arthur Long. And, uh, we've done three books so far and we've been nominated for voice arts awards. And the first, the first book out, we got an Audi nomination, oh, which was awesome. That was fabulous. And now, but he runs a very strange, I know we're getting a little off topic here, but last year we did the tooth fairy legend, the touch of kindness. And this year we're doing Dragula, the transgender musical. Wow. Oh, he's, he's, <laughs> he's bizarre. And he's doing all these characters great. and singing. And so sound design, which we will get into. Um, so his books have music and sound design all over it. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so so Blackstone, they're happy to distribute. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever going to make any money at it, if he'll ever see his money back. It doesn't matter. This is his, my 10th grade English teacher I met when I was 15. He was 25. This is his retirement. Um, That's great. I, it's great to have relationships that last that long. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, that, that's cool. But yeah, it, it definitely seems different. And so you absolutely do have to consider marketing for audiobooks. But the marketing that you do for audiobooks, I fi- I have found, is very different from the marketing that you need to do um, for commercial or industrial narration or e-learning. And uh, so, yeah, a uh, serious shout out to Mark Scott. He is, uh, I think, the marketing guru, one of one of few marketing gurus when it comes to voiceover. I know that you and Mark are friends. I met Mark very briefly at uh, Wovocon a few years ago. And, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I listen to his podcast every week uh, that it comes out. I think, yeah, I, think got... it comes out, I think it comes out on Thursday, the Vopreneur podcast. Yeah, it's fantastic. Where you'll, where you'll hear me say the Vopreneur podcast Hey, it doesn't suck. Yeah, you know? I, I knew that was you. <laughs> yeah. So, no, yeah. but, and go on Facebook and join the Vopreneur group, the Facebook group. It's like entrepreneur, but Vopreneur. Yeah. No, it's, and it's, he, he is great. I, I think has, that Mark is fantastic in terms of his focus. 
and uh, and that he'll he like you said earlier, um, you don't pull punches. Uh, he tells you the truth, and he's going to tell you no. You need to get the coaching first. You need to do this first. Um, sure, you can buy a mic for a hundred bucks, but that doesn't make you a voice actor. And you can't um, put the cart before the horse. I mean, people yeah. have take his marketing class, but they have nothing to market. Yeah, you know, you, unless you have your demo. Unless you have a killer demo, I mean a killer demo. If you don't have a killer demo and a and a really uh, and a website that has your brand represented in there and has good SEO and all that, mm-hmm. uh, then you're ready to do your marketing. But uh, vopreneur.com is his name. Mark Scott Coaching. Yeah, he's uh, uh, he's big he's shout great. out. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, well, this is great. A lot of good information here, Roy. So uh, out there in Bloomfield, when you're not producing demos, what are you doing? I'm vice president of the Bloomfield Cruisers, where I drive my 1938 uh, Plymouth Road King four-door touring sedan, and they don't Holy call cow. me Rusty. They don't call me Rusty Roy for nothing. <laughs> I've never heard Rusty Roy. I have heard Uncle Roy. So where did the uncle come from? Well, it came... It, goes back to high school, uh, you know, when Antland came out, there was a character named Uncle Auntie. So I was, un- I became the Uncle Auntie character. And then, I don't know, somehow in the industry that people started calling me Uncle Roy. And then my sisters had kids. So then I was really Uncle Roy. You really and were my, Uncle. And my caller ID shows up at, at my mom's house and she goes, oh, is this Uncle Roy? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> That's great. Funny. So it sounds like an organic uh, start to that nickname there. Yep. So I'm also on the, uh, I'm the chair of the Bloomfield Parks, Recreation, and Cultural Affairs. Uh, so I'm, I'm the chair of the Cultural Affairs Division of oh, it. Wow. That's great. And so, so you're really involved in your local community there. A lot of, and, and we're, and the cruisers are very charitable. We do a holiday toy drive. Um, we have all of these other events. We do a thousand dollar scholarship to universal technical Institute for a high school student that wants to get training in automotive. Um, so yeah, we do, we do a lot of, uh, a lot of community. I'm very community, just like the voiceover community. Only this is the local Bloomfield community. Yeah, so that's great. I, I love yeah. hearing that. It's uh, it's more and more rare. I think these days, um, people being all that involved in the the local community. So so that's good to know. Right. All right. Well, Roy, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming into the speakeasy. I hope the egg cream was good. It's done. Yeah, and, and my uh, my salty dog is gone as well, and uh, I must admit, being you're not a salt even slurring, it. you're not even slurring it. No, have been that. <laughs> way too much practice for that. Um, <laughs> you know, being the salt fiend that I am, the uh, salt rim is gone too. But uh, but yeah, I haven't had one of those in a long time. So uh, watch so your blood pressure. Uh, yeah, you know, I th- I think that I'm one of the. I think it's a majority of people where salt doesn't affect the blood pressure. But it's, but I'm not positive about that, and I know that my sister actually is salt sensitive, so um, you never know. But uh, anyway, it wasn't that much; it was just on the rim. So those uh, words of wisdom. Yeah. So so anyway, this is great. Thanks so much for coming in. Where can people find you if they want to look you up online and uh, figure out how to get a killer demo in a non audiobook genre made, or even audiobook? Yeah, go to uh, well. When I do audiobooks, I partner with. I'll give Carol Monda a shout out because we co-direct really well on audiobooks. Oh, it's fantastic! Uh, Carol's fantastic. www. 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 
And okay. then go to the killer demo page. Go to the fun page. There's pictures of me and celebrities, just like Mark Rao has. You know, oh, yeah. It's me. <laughs> I swear, it's me. Every other day and he's posting a, a picture of him there's a funny out. There's a funny outtake on there and all that. And go to my IMDb page. Um, and my email is antlandprods, P-R-O-D-S, shamefully at AOL.com. Or, <laughs> yeah, I'm old. Or antlandproductions uh, at Gmail. I'll I'll check my Gmail from time to time. Antlandproductions right. at gmail dot com. All right, you I can think find people me. can find you. And come to Bloomfield, New Jersey, and uh, you'll find me. All right, sounds great. Thanks a lot, Roy. I really appreciate your time. Ah, oh, you're welcome. This was this was a lot of fun and a good egg cream too. Good, good, good. Well, that's it for tonight. Many thanks to Uncle Roy for stopping by for a drink. I hope that any of you narrators out there who are thinking about branching out into other voiceover genres enjoyed hearing from a demo producer with decades in the business. As always, you can find the audiobook Speakeasy on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Podbean, and all the apps that pull from Apple Podcasts. And you can find me at richvoiceproductions.com, where I've got some samples and links to audiobooks I've narrated, and where I'm also posting episodes of the audiobook Speakeasy. If you're enjoying our speakeasy chats, please take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. And if you're not enjoying them, please find a podcast you do enjoy and leave them a review. If you think this show is educational, entertaining, or valuable simply because it gives you an excuse to sit down and enjoy a cocktail in an otherwise hectic day, I'd really appreciate it if you'd add a buck or two to the tip jar. You can make a per-episode donation by signing up at patreon.com slash audiobookspeakeasy, or you can make a one-time donation by visiting paypal.me slash audiobookspeakeasy. Any financial support is greatly appreciated, as it helps me keep the lights on here in the speakeasy. Until we see you here in the speakeasy again, I hope you can find some time to enjoy an audiobook. Cheers! Cheers!